Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. Our reading is from Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, and 18 through 23. After I read, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord, if you'll respond by saying, thanks be to God. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the words of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, This is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. morning. Um, Before I jump into the sermon, um, just want to remind everybody, and maybe you didn't hear last week, we're having a prayer and worship night tonight at 6.30 here, and we're calling it Encounter, and uh, the, the vision for it is that we're going to come and meet with God. We're gonna, we, we are anticipating an encounter with the living God. We're going to come, we're going to listen, we're going to pray, we're going to read scripture that comes to our hearts, we're going to sing songs that the Lord leads us in. We're coming with no agenda but to hear from God. And so it's, uh, we're excited about it, and I uh, hope that you'll join us for that. Um, this, this parable that we're studying this morning, I love this parable. It has, uh, it has taught me a lot, and um, so I'm excited to, to share some things from it that I believe uh, the Lord's taught me through this. Um, I, when I was a new believer, I heard it taught that this parable was actually just a parable about how a person hears the gospel. But as I've 
looked into it deeper and studied it more in depth, I'm, I've seen that it's actually a lot more than that. Um, that, this, that this parable is actually a parable for all of us every single time we hear the word. And so this applies to us. This parable is actually going to be taking place today as we talk about it, which is really cool to think about. It's going to be happening in this room. The seed of the word is going to be scattered out, and our hearts will receive it in some, some way or another. And so... Um, be thinking about that as we discuss it. Um, but we're entering into this whole, uh, this whole series on the parables, and the kingdom of God comes in a way that people did not expect in the first century. And um, you know what they expected, what first century Jewish people expected, was that their Messiah was going to come and he was going to conquer the kingdoms of the earth right then and there. He was going to come in a, in a powerful, visible, uh, explosive even kind of a way. And then Jesus begins to teach in these parables and explain that this is not how the kingdom of God comes. It's not how the kingdom of God advances. That the kingdom of God, we're going to find out later, it's more like it's more like leaven in bread. You don't see it. It's hidden away, but over time that leaven in that loaf begins to transform what it's inside. And the kingdom is like a seed. And so the kingdom of God advances every single time that a person comes more under the rule of the king. Right? So the kingdom of God is advancing when a, when a person first submits their life to Christ and says, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. That's an advancement of the kingdom. The kingdom of God also advances when you or I say, you know, this area of my life has not been under the leadership of Jesus. And so now I'm going to allow Christ to be Lord here. I didn't, I didn't have this area submitted to him. And so my life is being changed and transformed from one degree to another as Christ is being formed in me, is one way that the scriptures put it. Christ is being formed in me, and every single time there's a new degree of Christ being formed in me, the kingdom is advancing in my life. Does that make sense? And so what we're going to learn today is how does the kingdom do this, this transformation in a life. Um, so pray with me, and we'll start looking at this text. Father, thank you for this day. This is the day that you've given us. You, have, you are sovereign over it. Father, you have brought each and every person here to this place to hear this word right now you are you are moving in different ways and in significant ways that we might not even recognize because of how your kingdom advances lord we just sang about we thought about how we need faith to receive your word so i pray that you would grant us that that you would give 
us good soil hearts and that you would show us the ways that we can work to have good soil hearts. Lord, that we can partner with you in that work. And I pray that above all, your will would be done this morning, that you would be glorified, that Jesus would be magnified, that your word would be treasured. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, take a look. We're going to mostly be in this second half of this, um, this scripture passage. We skipped over 10 through 17. I know that wasn't a mistake. Next week, uh, we're, we'll look at that passage together. But today, we're, we're just, we, we just have time to really dig into this parable of the soils. And so, when he begins explaining this parable to his disciples, what he says to them is that Verse 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom. So this parable is a parable about every single time God's word is heard. And when you hear the word heard, you can think of hearing a sermon, but but also I want you to think about times when you sit down and you read the Bible when you study the Bible for yourself. Um, So this is more than just in a sermon, but it certainly applies in a sermon. Um, And so when anyone hears the word, this parable is also told in Mark and in Luke, and so I'll refer to those passages some as well. In Mark, he says, the sower sows the word. In Luke, he says, the seed is the word of God. So it's really plain what we're talking about here. The seed is the word of God. Anytime that seed gets heard, there's something happening. And seeds this morning all over the world, seeds are being sown onto hearts. People are hearing words about the kingdom. They're hearing words about prayer and words about faith. They're hearing words about the king, about Christ himself and his perfect life and what he's done for us on the cross. And they're hearing words about how to lead a family or, or how to be generous in light of what God has done for us. There are words of the kingdom being scattered all over the world and they're going out onto hearts and this parable is taking place. And the word of God is like a seed, a seed that seems small. It seems so small and yet has so much potential. A seed, if you think about what a seed does, sometimes I'll go out in my yard and I'll be picking up acorns. We have these massive oak trees in my backyard. I'll be picking up acorns, and I'll just stop and look at an acorn, and then look up at that tree and wonder, how in the world can this little acorn have inside of itself all of that? Isn't that amazing? We have um, some apple trees in our yard, and you ever paid any attention to an apple seed, you bite into the apple, get to the core, and you look at the apple seed. They're just these tiny little seeds, tiny. 
so unassuming. They look like nothing. And yet, these seeds are packed with potential. They're latent with life. One of these little apple seeds, if you put it down, you hide it away under the soil, and then you give it enough time, rain and some starlight from our nearest star, and you give that thing some time, it can become an apple tree. And we have these apple trees, they are, they, they are loaded with apples. Apples just falling off, getting trampled on, stomped on, crushed into the ground. No one's eating. It's just producing more fruit than anybody can eat. An apple tree can live for anywhere from 30 years, which is, I think, average, to some varieties of apple trees can produce fruit for 100 years. And to think about the people, the, the, all the people that will eat apples from one tree, all the different generations of people that will be fed from that one tree. And it all starts from this one tiny seed. It's amazing to think about it. And that's the point that Jesus is making. He's saying the word of God is like that little seed, so unassuming. You could hear it and simply forget about it, trample on it under your feet. But that same seed, every single time, is packed with potential, latent with life, stuffed with strength if it's only given the environment and the time to produce what it can produce. Within God's word, God has hidden the DNA of transformation. Chains of addiction can be broken with a word. The course of a life can be altered with a word. A family can be saved with a word. A marriage restored with a word. A person can become a prayer warrior who didn't ever pray by hearing a word. Sin that has plagued a life for a lifetime can be broken of its power. How? How does that transformation happen? Not the way we think transformation happens. We think transformation happens by gritting our teeth, by having enough determination, enough willpower, enough oomph. But God's kingdom, it's different. It's so other. Transformation actually happens by the word By the word going into your life and you receiving it and believing it with a good heart. And over time, you look around and you realize, I'm different. My life is different. My family is different. My attitude is different. My reactions are different. The way I think, it's different. The way I speak, it's different. And what's happened is that the Word of God has changed you. If you 
look back on your life, if you look back, say, on the last couple of years of your life, and you say, I'm not seeing a lot of change. I'm not seeing any change, really. I'm really the same person that I was a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, or maybe even I'm not quite the person I was a few years ago. Well, then, I want your ears to perk up this morning because what that means is that you haven't had the right heart to hear the word because the problem is not in the word. The the word is packed with power. It is life-giving. It has transformational power. The problem is not with the word. The problem is with our hearing when that is the case. John 6, 63, Jesus said, My words are spirit and life. My words are spirit and life. And many of us, if we're honest, we come on Sundays, we hear a sermon, and we, we bring our Bibles, maybe, maybe not, and then we go home, we leave our Bibles sitting there on the nightstand or on the shelf or whatever, collecting dust all week. And we walk past spirit and life every day, and we think nothing of it. We don't pick it up. We have a treasure sitting there. We don't pick it up. We don't read it. We don't give it time because we're too busy. And we're missing the life that's available to us. So... That's my introduction. All right. So um, I want us to think through, we're, we're going to hear different, four different ways that we can hear the word. And I think we can bounce around. I think on any given day, you can be one of these four hearers. So don't, don't just think, oh, well, that one was me, or that's me, or oh, I'm a Christian, so I know I'm a good soil hearer. No, 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 no. On any given day, you can be any one of these soils, and I believe that's why Jesus teaches it, so we can actually partner with him and do something about it. So let's look at this first one, verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So this is the seed that Jesus has said was sown along the path. And, and what's the deal with soil on a path? It gets packed down hard, right? It gets packed down really hard when, when a, people are walking on it all the time. And he says, um, this is like the evil one snatching away, snatching away what was sown. Seed gets scattered, but the heart was hard, and so it just sits on the top, sits on the surface. It doesn't ever even penetrate the very top level of the soil, and so birds are able to come and snatch it away. Yesterday, I was at the beach trying to eat a sandwich, and I don't know if you've ever seen these beasts. These seagulls, they have some, I believe they may be possessed with something. This seagull, I'm, I'm like not paying any attention. I'm just looking at the water, watching my kids play. And this seagull comes and like almost, almost takes the sandwich out of my hand this close to my face. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. They're evil. But anyway, 
that's what Satan is like. When you hear the word, he's like these vicious seagulls ready to snatch that thing before it has a chance to get in your heart. He wants to stop this at all costs. Why? Because he knows its power. He knows its potential. He's no fool. He knows that simply by hearing with faith, you can be transformed. Your life can be changed. That you can become a force for good against his domain. And he doesn't want to see that happen. And so like a seagull, he's flapping over your life, waiting for every single time the word gets sown on your heart, ready to snatch it up. And if your heart's hard, like the path, the seed won't penetrate the surface. It won't produce change. Luke, about this path seed, he says that it's trampled underfoot. You picture all these good seeds, all these seeds packed with potential, latent with life, sitting on a path and people just walking on them like they're nothing. And many of us, that's, that's sort of how we view the word. We treat it as common, like it's nothing. We don't value it. He says in verse 19, that this person doesn't understand it. They don't understand its potential, that it can literally change my life if I just believe it and receive it. You treat it as common. It's just another sermon. Just another sermon. I heard one last week. There'll be another one next week. And yet, a few feet away from the path in the field, that same seed can go down and bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. And you can be sitting a few chairs away from someone who hears the same sermon and it's changing their life. Why is that? That person has right perspective. They're hungry for the word. They want more of his word. It says in Psalm 119.72 that God's word is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. That's the way we're supposed to see it. This is better to me than my life savings. Better to me than my whole career. Better to me than my pension. Better to me than all the money in the world. Because it's God's words. Remember, the evil one is coming in to snatch this away. And so when we hear the word, when we don't value it, when we don't take it seriously, our hearts are calloused over like that path, and the word is landing but not penetrating. Luke 8.12 says, that this seed along the path, that the devil takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. That word saved, it does mean what we might think of to become a Christian, but it also, it's the word sozo. It means to be healed, restored, or renewed. So 
The devil doesn't want you to believe the word when it's preached, lest you be healed, restored, and renewed. Parts of your life that are broken, that don't glorify God, that the seed of the word has all the power to transform. The devil knows. And he wants to snatch it away before it can do its work. Whatever our issue, discontentment or grumbling, fear or anxiety, besetting sin that we cannot get a grip on, confusion or lack of wisdom, or getting stuck in a rut in our lives, whatever the issue, we need to be rescued. We need the Word of God to come in and transform us. When God's Word received with faith goes into our hearts, it begins to transform us from the inside. All right, let's move on to the next one, the rocky soil. Verses 20 and 21. As for what is sown, what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. So there's a different way that this hearer receives this word. Yet, he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Immediately falls away. When the sun rises, Jesus says earlier in verse 6, when the sun rose, they were scorched. Since they had no root, they withered away. This rocky soil hearer is the person who Um, there's no depth in their spiritual life. No depth of soil. There's an immediacy to their response to the Word. And so you you could be this person, when you come, you hear a sermon and you think, this is fantastic. I'm loving what I'm hearing. This, This excites me. And then you look back a week later and that same word that you were very excited about, it did nothing in your life. Produced no lasting change. Or you look back months later, it produced no lasting change. This is the one that that seed actually begins to grow. It actually does produce some kind of a change initially, but it doesn't continue to produce change. It doesn't grow all the way up. In 2 Timothy 2, in verse 7, Paul says to his protege, Timothy, Think over what I say, and the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So there's two parts to receiving the word rightly. There is our thinking over it, meditating on it. That's the work that we do mentally. And then there is the Lord giving understanding as we do that. But we have to do the thinking over it part. Sometimes we like to be excited about a word, about a message, or about a thing that we read, but we don't like to do the hard mental work of thinking it through. There's this impulsive response. We think, 
We hear a sermon and we think, okay, I am going to, I'm going to change my prayer life, and then we walk away and we don't do anything about it. Or we, we hear a sermon and we think, all right, I'm going to start reading my Bible every single day, and we go, and maybe we do that for a week or two, but then we don't see it through. The Sermon on the Mount, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, um, Jesus says that there are two different types of people who hear his word. There's one type of person who, hearing the word, builds their house on the rock. So in order to build your house on rock, you've got to do some digging. Rock's typically not up on the surface, right? You've got to dig down. You've got to get a little depth, and then, then you begin to build. And he says, some, some people, when they hear the word, they're like this person. They dig down and they build on rock. Other people, they hear my word, and they just build their house on the sand. On the surface, there's no depth. And so storms hit both houses. Our storms are going to hit our lives. We're going to go through trials. There's going to be heat. The sun rises every single day. And for those of us who build our houses on rock, we can withstand the storms that come. Our faith will persevere through those things. But we don't always do this. Remember, the issue with this rocky soil here is that they have no roots. The problem is with the roots. It's the, the inner life, the hidden life, that unseen part of you. So when you hear the Bible read or you are in your community group and you're doing a study or you're here on Sunday and you're hearing a sermon preached how do you respond to it? God convicts you, and then what do you do? Do you just get excited about it, or do you think it through? I want to suggest that what's needed is that we go from conviction to a plan. And this is the difference, I think, between the shallow-soiled hearer and the one who has good soil, is that the person with good soil, they think over it, which means it goes from, okay, I have this conviction, I need to be in the Word more. So there's the conviction. Now, if I'm a shallow soil here, I just walk away with that. Got to be in the Word more. Got to be in the Word more. But, but what I think we're called to do is to Pray over this. Think it over. Get specific. Okay, I need to be in the Word more. So I'm going to spend 30 minutes every day in the Word before I go to work. That's specific. But now I've got to go even deeper. I'm still not at bedrock yet. I've got to go even deeper. So if I'm going to spend 30 minutes in the Word every day, I can't wake up when I always wake up. So I've got to set my alarm about 35 minutes earlier so that i got five minutes to get my coffee and kind of wake up a little bit. And if I'm going to start setting my alarm 35 minutes earlier, then that means i got to set my coffee maker 35 minutes earlier, right? And that also means that I probably am going to have to start going to bed earlier at night. You see, so you have to start thinking through what are all the implications. God wants to transform my life, and he wants to partner with me in the process. So I can't be passive about it. And so this is what it looks like to have deep roots, to think through 
what we hear so that God can give us understanding in everything. And Jesus taught this. He taught this about discipleship with him, that we should count the costs before we step out and follow him. That no one goes to war without considering whether or not they actually have a shot at winning. Nobody builds something without first seeing, do we have enough materials? Do we have enough money to finish the job? I don't want to look like a fool and get half my house built and then be done. And the same is true for discipleship with Jesus. He says, no, count the cost first. And I think the same is true as we allow God's word to convict us of areas. We need to think through what is this going to cost? How do I work this into my life? So an impulsive surface level response to the word doesn't consider the challenges that we're going to run into, the heat of the sun, right? Which can be either tribulation Trials is another word for that. Trials, which those trials can come from your own flesh. They can come from just the challenges of life, your, your own schedule, whatever. But when it gets hard, or it can come from persecution on account of the word. So this can come from outside, from, from somebody challenging this new thing you say you believe or this new thing you say you're going to do in your life. We feel the heat and we give up. This could be a delayed answer to prayer. It could be the enemy coming against us through our thought life. It could be our flesh fighting back with the old habits that we've created for years. So we need to know the challenges that are coming and prepare. Flex the muscles of our minds. It's hard. We get mentally lazy. And then let the Lord give us deep roots and lasting transformation. All right. Let's look at the third one. There's another hearer. This is the seed that gets sown among the thorns. Verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Thank goodness, this one's not an issue for us in America, right? This, this is the one that really scares me, makes me tremble. This one is the one that I think we can the most easily be deceived by because there is a growth that's happening in your life for quite some time, a fruit that is starting to show up in your life, but it, isn't, it doesn't ever grow to maturity, it says in one of the Gospels. This is the person who, over the course of a lifetime, they are, they are talking the talk and in many ways walking the walk, but, but life, money, Career, worry, anxiety, all these things are growing up with the word and choking it out slowly over time. This is the one that makes me tremble. As an American, as somebody who has a lot, who's been given a lot, this one. This one's hard. 
I think it would do us well to pay close attention to this. The word, in order for it to do its transforming power, it must be given room in our hearts. And in our country, we have a lot of things in our hearts. We have a lot of things in our lives. We have a lot of actual things. And even that comes into play here. So, this is harder for us to discern, but we can discern it when this is us. We need to look at the fruit in our lives. Is it born to maturity? Or did the changes that you made in your marriage or in your friendships or the changes that you made in your prayer life or in stewarding your finances or in the, the way that you treat your neighbor or serve your neighbor or in your attitude towards the church or whatever it is, did the changes that you made years ago stick around? Did they continue? Are they continuing to bear fruit in your life? Or has time and busyness and worry and stress and stuff, career and everything, the cares of this life choked it out? The cares of the world. Wow. The cares of the world. That's a big, broad category. Um, this includes things like our stuff, our possessions, right? This is, my, this is my house, this is my yard, this is my vehicles, this is the stuff that I have that has to be maintained and kept up if I'm going to be a good steward, right? This is stress and anxiety. Um, you know, the Bible, in the same way that the Bible says that the thief should no longer steal, and it gives us that command, and we just say, okay, we shouldn't steal. It also says, don't worry. That's a, that's a tough one for us, right? But it actually says that in many different places. Jesus taught it. Paul taught it. We're not to worry. And that's hard. I'm not going to say that it's not hard. It is hard. There's a lot to worry about, Right? We worry about the economy and politics and what's happening in our family and how our friend is acting and our health, our job, career path. There's so much to worry about, we say. But Christian, that's the conversation the world's having. We're called to live on a different plane. We're called to be different. Like, not just claim difference, but to actually have a different substance about us. I think that a people who can actually face the same fears that everyone else is facing, the, actual, the real potential, what might happen in your workplace, or the real thing that might happen in your health, or that is happening in your health, or in your spouse's health, or the real difficulties that you're having as a parent, or in your marriage, whatever it is, the person who can face all those same things that everyone in the world is facing, but see them differently, approach them differently, 
with a peace that rules in your heart in spite of it, that person has the potential to stand out in this world in ways that I think believers rarely stand out. Rarely. Dallas Willard was once asked, if you could just describe Jesus with only one word, just one word, you, can only, you only got one word, how do you describe what he's like? And he says, relaxed. Why would he say that? Why would he choose that one word? Because no one in all of human history has ever trusted the Father more fully. Think of it. What it was like to be around somebody so at ease. In spite of all the needs, the people pressing in, the shortage of time, and he's still at peace, at peace. The cares of this world have the potential to choke out the Word of God in our hearts. You'll say, yeah, but you don't know what I'm facing. Well, listen, you might be facing something so difficult, but the Word of God, the promises of God's Word remain true. And God's Word says that we should be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. We should let our requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it doesn't make any sense, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That is a promise. And so it's not dependent upon your circumstance. It's true, and it's always going to be true. And so maybe what we need to be called to is to actually obey the first part of it. In any and every circumstance, we need to fall on our knees. We need to let our requests be made known to God. We need to pray until that promise happens. And if we get up from our knees and we still are not experiencing a peace that surpasses understanding, we need to get back down on our knees. And we need to believe the promise. We need to say, God, I'm going to pray until I pray through to receive the promise that you have given me. We pray through in our prayers. Believe the Bible. It's all true, all of it. We can't talk about the cares of this world in 2021 without thinking about the impact of technology and digital distractions. This is so hard. This is so hard. Many of us choke the growth of God's words out in our lives by filling all of our little moments with digital novelties. With little amusements, we're addicted to little nothings. It can even be religious articles, but when you read it, are you actually putting it into practice? Are you actually doing the hard work to apply it? Or is it just, you just had a minute, and so, you know, this thing is bright, and it's beautiful. <laughs> I, I'm guilty. It is so 
hard. It is so hard, but this will choke our spiritual lives. When are, we, when are we actually going to meditate on the sermon we heard or the word that we read, if not in those little in-between moments? Right? But we fill them, we fill them with small distractions. We lose our ability to ever fix our attention on anything. And the Bible says that transformation happens through beholding Christ. What we behold, we become. If we behold Christ with our mind's eye, if we fix our minds on Jesus and we flex our minds on Him, on His Word, on His truth, on His ways, on what He says about the world, about me, about Himself, if, if I can do that, that will transform my life. Ding! But we're constantly... We're constantly on it. We're constantly distracted. It's so easy, right? And our appetite for that grows, and our appetite for the word shrivels. The deceitfulness of riches. He says the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word. Jesus taught about money more than he taught about heaven and hell combined. Apparently, money has some real dangers to it. Now, money in and of itself isn't a bad thing. It's a necessity. We've got to use it. We've got to steward it. We can use it for God's glory and, our, and good in our own lives and in the lives of others. But we can't serve it. The Bible says either you have to pick one or the other. You can either serve God and use money, or you can serve money and you'll use God to get more. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and your career. You cannot serve God and stuff. You can serve God or you can serve money. And money offers us security and freedom and joy, all the things that God offers us, but money cannot deliver and money says, just serve me and I'll give it to you. Give me your life and I will give you security and peace and joy. You see how it's a false God. And so when we serve money, we let it dictate and rule our lives and it stops the seed of God's word from growing. Let's look at the last type of soil. It's the good soil hearer. Verse 23, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. The good soil, this is the person who hears and understands and remember that like a seed that goes down into the ground, it takes time for God's Word to mature in your life. And so we don't have this um, shallow, excited, emotional response that doesn't... It's good to be excited about God's Word, don't get me wrong. But this is different in that 
with that excitement, you put the roots down and you, you think it through. It says in Luke about this good soil that it's those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart. Hold it fast. That requires some effort, doesn't it? Not physical effort, mental effort. This requires some mental effort to hold fast to the truth that God has spoken to you. And so, how do we do that? We meditate on it. We think through it. We go back and we reread it, or we go back and we re-listen to the sermon if need be. We talk through it with other people. This is one reason that community groups are so valuable. We come together in community groups in the midweek and we discuss what it is that God is teaching us. And in the process of discussing that, what's happening? That Those roots are going down deeper into the soil of our hearts. So we're holding fast to it. We're studying it. We're writing about it. This really helps me. I, it really helps me. When I study my Bible, I open up my moleskin and I write as God's showing me stuff. That helps me to process it, to chew on it. In an honest and good heart, it says. That means that you come to the word submitted to it. This is God's word. This is why we stand when we read God's word before the sermon. We are showing it the honor that it deserves. We, we're remembering that I don't, I don't judge this word. This, ju- this word judges me. This word is God's authoritative truth, so I am under its authority. This is how we come to the word with an honest and good heart. It's we humble ourselves and say, I know there are things in my life that I am wrong about. I don't know what all those things are, or I would change them, but there are things in my life I'm wrong about. And so when I come, I'm keeping that in mind. I'm expecting that God is going to show me ways that I've been living wrongly, thinking wrongly. And so I come to place myself under it without pride, without pretense, with a humble heart to learn. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, Paul says, When you received the word of God, which you heard from us, You accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. You hear that? The word of God is at work in you. It sounds a lot like a seed that's gone down into the soil of a heart, has germinated, is putting down roots, it's growing up. The word itself filled with potential, producing the fruit. It's life-imparting, chain-breaking, sin-destroying, if we will hear it as it ought to be heard, which is as the Word of God. When God speaks, worlds come into being. And when He speaks a word into your heart, into your life, it has potential to transform you. So as we think through our response to this, I want you to ask yourself, which hearer am I today? Which hearer have I been lately? Have I been 
hard-hearted, trampling the Word of God underfoot, treating it as common. I'm not even caring to pick up my Bible and read what is spirit and life. Do I hear a sermon and I, before it has time to do a single thing in my life, Satan comes and snatches it away? Well, if that's you, then confess that to the Lord. There's mercy for you, believer. So confess it. Repent of it. Turn away from that. Break up that fallow ground. The Bible says that we actually can do something about a hard, packed down soil heart. We can break it up. We can pray and say, God, show me my sin. Bring tears to my eyes. Show me the things in my life that grieve you. And, and, and we repent of it. We confess it when he shows it. We turn away from it. We bring it into the light and we turn away from it. And as we do that, it's breaking up fallow ground. And now all of a sudden, what once was a path that was packed down and no seed could go in becomes a field that's ready for seed. What about those of us who've been shallow, rocky soil? Impulsive in our response to the word. We hear it, we get excited about it, we go home, we've already moved on. Or we get excited about it for a week and we start to put some changes into place, but week number two comes and we've already moved on. A little bit of difficulty comes and we move on. We need to do the work of thinking, processing God's word, planning. If a conviction comes, then we need to plan and we need to get more and more specific until we get down to bedrock and say, okay, now here's where I start building. We've got to do the hard work of thinking. What about those of us, and I think all of us, who have some weeds we need to pull? I think this is all of us. We've got the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the pursuit of all these things that we think ultimately are going to make us happy, and they just won't. It just won't. All the things that money promises, it cannot deliver long term. Only God can make us truly secure. Only God can make us truly satisfied. Only God can give us real purpose. And so we need to do the hard work of weeding out. For, for, there's times in our lives recently, Tiffany and I, we decided we've got to get rid of some stuff. Just the stuff over time that you accumulate, it begins to crowd your life. You got to take care of this, and you got to maintain that, and you got to clean that, and you got to, and it be, and it, and all of a sudden you look around and you think this is all I'm doing, stuff. I'm just maintaining the stuff that I thought would make me happy, <laughs> and so we will periodically just say we are going on a purge. We're going to get rid of a lot of stuff, and it's amazing. All of a sudden you find that there's more time in your life somehow. We need to do the same thing with idols, the things that we love, the things that we're pursuing instead of God. We need to do this same thing with distractions. We need to weed some of the distractions in our phones and on our computers. 
and our TV screens. We just stop filling all of the space in our lives with all this distraction, and there's no room in your life for God's Word to grow. Pull the weeds, and all of a sudden you're going to find that the same seeds that you are already hearing begin to produce a whole lot more fruit in your life. The Word of God has within it, contains within it, the power to transform your life. I remember the very first time that I understood the gospel. The very first time that I understood what Jesus really did for me. That when he came and he took my place on the cross, and he took my sins upon himself, and he absorbed the wrath of God for me, and said, it is finished. And he breathed his last and then was buried. And three days later, defeated death, defeated sin, and rose from the grave. The first time I really understood that, and I turned to God and I said in my own words in my college apartment, God, I'm not a Christian. And I thought I was one. But I want to be one. I want you to come into my life and change me. I want to give you my whole life. And I believed that word. And that word went down into my life. And it began to grow roots. And it began to grow and to transform my life. And so many of you have the same story. And every single time you hear God's word... There is that potential. There is life-changing potential in all of his words if we'll receive it. So let's pray. Father, oh, we admit, God, that we have allowed so many thorns weeds to grow up in our hearts and choke out your life imparting word your word is latent with life packed with power stuffed with strength and we let it fall on our hearts and we trample it underfoot or we don't do the hard work of putting it into practice or we let other stuff grow up and choke it out god would you help us would you first of all give us a desire to see your word changing us, producing fruit in our lives, making us look more and more like your son. And then, God, would you grant to us the faith to receive this word today and let this word begin to bear fruit in our lives and change the way we hear, change the way we read and study your word? Lord, let this word bear fruit for years and years to come, fruit that will last. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.